Hey everybody and welcome to uh, another episode of the Gonzo Bible Study. We hope you caught our Christmas special with Jackie Clark. She did such a great job talking to us about the nativities and the nutcrackers and and all the fun things. Uh, So back here with with Pastor Rick here. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about the things uh, surrounding an appointed place uh, is the title of this episode a little bit. And Pastor Clark is going to take us on a little bit of a journey through scripture and showing us how the foundations were laid for the arrival of the Emmanuel and for, for the, the king's uh, appearance here on earth. And so without, without further ado oh. or introduction or, oh, well. or any pomp and circumstance, really, we <laughs> want to just move straight on into it. Uh, Pastor Clark, take us there. Oh, man, what a privilege it is. Uh, but boy, what a hard uh, episode to uh, follow. Because you got the old crusty guy here. I guess maybe I should have dressed up in the Dickens outfit, uh, perhaps after after my sweetheart uh, did such a wonderful job. I, and I hope and pray that she was the blessing that I know she was. Uh, I hope you received it that way. It, it, it is a product of what God does in the life of someone that is submitted. Mm-hmm. And, and submitted in God's kind of way. Because God has that appointment for all of us. Uh, to the ones we love, mm-hmm. to our, our family. And particularly, we want to emphasize, especially in this season, mm-hmm. that there is an appointed place. Yep. And, and if, you, if you have not begun to enjoy the Advent season in an appointed place, let me challenge you right up front, right up front, to just go and be a part, be in a place that is appointed and that is called and it is set apart for the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ where there's joy mm-hmm. and, and where the word of God is revered and lifted up and passed on freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's so important. That is, that's beyond programs. It's beyond denominations. It's, it's beyond all those things. Let Jesus be edified in your heart. Let, let the sun truly come in, because this is the season of Emmanuel. That's right. Amen. God, awesome. God with us, right? God, God with us. And, of course, um, where else to go but in one of those verses uh, that took place several hundred years uh, before, there in the Minor Prophets in Micah, chapter 5, uh, beginning there in verse 2, and and uh, and it's and there's an interesting footnote that one of the old writers said about this because in taking this as they do from the ancient Hebrew, there is an introduction that they gave that was I should have written it down, but I I didn't at the time. I, but thinking back on it now, they said that Micah presents a prophecy to be fulfilled but to the world at one of the lowest depths of Israel's falling away from God, at at one of the most difficult times in their history. And so, you know, if you're already, if, you know, in that brief challenge that I just presented, if you're already kind of, you know, bringing up your shields and trying to say, well, but I'm so busy and we got this and we got, you know, if if you're trying to, to come up with reasons or excuses why not to, to be in a worship service. My goodness, go and sit in, sit in a singing of the Messiah. Uh, and there's so many churches that are presenting cantatas, and that's what that is. It's a gathering of 
wonderfully written music, you know, various styles. I mean, you can just about find anything nowadays, especially in our country, as far as musical style and presentation of presenting the Christ story, of Christ coming into the world. And, and so don't let, don't let the barriers come up because they were, the, the presentation here, as one of the old writers said, was that this fifth chapter introduces here something glorious, and it's coming in such a time where Israel was in its depths of depravity and depths of its rebellion against God. And so if you're, if you're a person that's concerned about where you may be as a person, where we are as a nation, where we are as a world, then dear friend, this is very on point. This is very, and it says, but as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago or from old, from the days of eternity. Literally now, if you, if you have the New International Version, some writers prefer that as that of old from ancient times. And this, of course, refers the Lord back to where? Back into the days of creation. Back into the days of all that was done through the law. So he's recognized here as coming from the Bethlehem there in Judah. In Ephrath, and that was, in fact, that was the first, the, the name Ephrath was the first name of the city. And it, it, it was a word that came from fruit meaning fruit. Now, Bethlehem means house of bread. It's interesting. And so from a small, if you will, agricultural village, literally, you know, where, where people's work was very based in the agricultural, in, in, the, in the, the, the husbandry of animals and in the farming of the land. And, and yet, uh, he mentions it so, and it is in several places, the fact that Bethlehem was not even large enough to be considered among the clans of Israel. And if you go back, uh, I, I believe uh, there's a couple different books in the, in the historic writings of the Old Testament where this you're not going to find Bethlehem of Judah listed because it was so small. In, in other words, insignificant. You know, And you're just talking about, what was the name of that town we just passed through a while ago? I don't, don't even think there was a traffic light. Yeah, like that, you see. But it was the city of David. It was the city of David. And so there, there again, in fact, in, in the Gospel of John, John brings this up. Let me get, try to get this thing here. I feel like I'm running into that a little bit. Well, you know, it's, it's fascinating when you talk about how it's just a small little burg, or just a, a village of yeah. a town, and it being the city of David, you know, it reminds us who David was under Jesse. He was the yes. run of the litter. The he, was the, the, he was the exactly. small young one. It, 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 re, it reinforces the fact that God wants to use the meek. Exactly. Now he uses the small places as the place, you know, because, you know, we'll get into this later as we, as we talk about different parts of the, the cr Christmas story this season. But, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like when the wise men showed up, they showed up at the palace. Exactly. They showed up at the, you know, at Herod's home. Yeah, well, that's well, where you go. Well, they thought they'd be right in the middle <laughs> yeah. of it. That'd be where a king was born. Right, But right. see, they're working by human understanding. Exactly. You know, and so as you introduced here at the beginning, and we talk about how as, as, all, as all of the Israelites and all are in a deep depression and a, a season of rebellion and how during the holidays people get down and out 
and they start hurting and no, everything. Exactly. Well, this is when God works. This is hey, when God starts right. stirring the waters. This exactly. is when the this is when the season is when when God starts touching people and moving people. It's not that He puts you in that bad place. It's not that He you know is allowing bad things to happen to you. No. But it's no, just this all. is this is when we stop relying on ourselves and we start reaching out and start looking beyond our own capabilities and start looking beyond our natural selves. Yes. And just like this little town of Bethlehem, you know, this, mm-hmm. the city of David, no one expects anything great out of Bethlehem. This is this is not a this is not a place we're expecting anything majestic to come from. Right. You know, in the natural way the world understands things. Yeah. Just like when everybody was looking across at, you know, there at the battle scene of when David faces Goliath, he's it's the messenger boy. He was just here bringing food to his brothers. Like, he's not going to do anything. He can't even wear the armor provided for him. Right, right. We can't even give him a sword. We're not, no one was expecting anything because we're yes. looking at it with human eyes. Exactly. So this season, as you're, as you're looking at your surroundings, as you're looking at your, your lot in life, let's say, if you're, as, you're, as you're looking, you're, you're starting to miss loved ones or you're, you're, you just don't know how you're going to pay for Christmas gifts or whatever it is, Stop looking at your surroundings and letting those things weigh on you and create a depression or a rebellion in your heart against God. Start realizing that, okay, now in the natural, you can't do this. Exactly. So reach out to the creator of all things. Amen. Reach out to the Father and see what he will do. Exactly. So what does it tell us there in John in well, regards to the city of David? There, there, all, there you find a very common thing that all of us, again have to kind of overcome. And that is where we need to be, where we can get the whole story. Right. Because here in John, it says, now some were saying, this is, is this the Christ? And others were saying, well, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? And in this setting here right now, uh, they were trying to discern who, just who this person was, this Jesus from Nazareth, you see. And, that, and Nazareth was a city in Galilee. And as an adult, this is where he had come from. He was known as a rabbi uh, from Galilee. Some said he was a prophet and so forth. Right. And some were even saying, is it possibly he's the, that he's the Messiah, the anointed one of God? But, it, but here in verse 42 of John chapter 7, has not the scripture said that Christ, that the Christ, the Christ, comes from the descendants of David, yep. from Bethlehem, the village where David was? And, of course, there's multiple references. I thought this was kind of an interesting one mm-hmm. because of that kind of two messages yep. there. Yep. The fact that it confirms with us in the New Testament what, the, what we see in Micah, this was the city of David. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was the origins of the great king, the one who came from obscurity mm-hmm. to be the one who stood before the great Goliath, the great contender, right. uh, uh, and, and the one who led the way, and the one who took Israel into the golden age, if you will. The one who had God's own heart. Yes, a man after God's own heart. You know, that, that, that's just it when we, when we talk about that, a man of humble yes. origin with God's heart that came from complete obscurity. Exactly. From the, from the shepherd, <laughs> shepherd hills of, of Jesse all the yeah. way to be the king. Yeah, but, but here was a young boy that was, you know, that many probably thought was kind of strange. You know, because as passing by, perhaps on the edge of the fields where the sheep were, you know, uh, feeding, they'd hear this boy playing a harp. They'd hear this boy singing songs and writing music, attending to the sheep, you know, and trying to keep everything orderly, right? 
and they're oh, probably the poet in the hills. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know <laughs> the, that the, that eccentric kid of Jesse, right? But yet God was working in his heart, and and then of course when the lion came and when the bear came, the hand of the Lord was with David, and David was that there, there he was, and so it was either him or <laughs> between his father's flock and danger. And he came through time after time. And so there came the confidence of trusting and depending on the Lord. That's where some of our very psalms come from today. Some of the most encouraging of the psalms uh, come from the experiences David had tending the sheep. Mm -hmm. And so we, we come to realize that the Christ here back in Micah 5, he says, for this one who will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel, his, his going forth are from old, from the days of eternity, ancient times, you see. And, and it goes on to ex express the fact that uh, in verse 4, he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth, and this one will be our peace he will be our shalom he will be the one who brings comfort and peace in all areas of our life and you know this is something that david had to work out in his own life growing up uh, even even to that if you will that coming out episode with goliath mm -hmm. and from there on and then the episodes with jonathan and saul and all mm -hmm. that will be before him you know, his, even his own failings with Bathsheba and other things in his life. And yet, like you pointed out, Robert, a man after God's own heart. But we, we see the, the significance of this because in the, in, the linea, in the genealogy of the book of Matthew, uh, which is particularly the, the gospel of Matthew directed toward the Hebrew mindset, you have that lineage of David established right there for the house of Joseph, you see. Because when we find them, at this time, um, and you know, in in the in the calendar that we understand, it would be somewhere about six. Um, I believe it is how that falls, and 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 yet uh, there was that. And of course, we reason we know this is because of the decree right. that the Roman records have. You know, just as a side note. But then, the, the uh, Caesar Augustus had had put out a decree that the world would be taxed. You know, the world was Rome, and Rome made sure it got its dime. <laughs> well, you know, and that's something. Yeah. That's something even for just a moment as an aside. When we're talking sure. about, we're, we know an appointed place, and we know an appointed time. And we do need to make reference of, you know, just like anything else, tax documents, you know, are fairly accurate. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, that's, you know, ask, you know, and yeah. there again, we just sometimes have to dispute that with some in our own country. But the fact of the matter is, is when you look at the empire that was Rome, this was the, one of the first empires that we still have records from. Exactly. You know, this is something where they had, they had systematically created mm -hmm. a way to govern the known world. Exactly. Precisely. You know, yes. and, and not only just govern the known world, but they governed the known world with a military where only one in ten of their own soldiers was even Roman. Right. And so they, yeah, had, right. they had found a way to mechanize and quantify and qualify everything exactly. you know very very and this is one of the first times the world has ever seen a power like the roman empire 
And so because we have those records and because we have the decrees of Caesar, because we have all those things, we have validity added to the chronology of these stories, the, the, the location, you know, the, the mapping and the, the cartography that was occurring at the time yeah. was state-of-the-art in exactly. some, you know, some of the recording of positioning and everything like that. And every, you know, while there were little bergs that went unnoticed, Mm-hmm. Very little went unnoticed as far as you know, making sure the finances were making it back to Rome. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. that. You know, and yeah. it's very interesting that this is the thing that when it's recorded in Scripture, we make note of tax season because yes. that's one of the things that even as the apostles and the and the disciples were recording the story of Christ, they knew, or at least they assumed, that the records of Rome would continue to exist exactly that they would that, that once rome established something <laughs> yeah, yeah. and recorded something that that would be something that would be a, a, able to be validated exactly. forever yes yeah and that is quite literally here in the 21st century as we sit here we have scholars that literally can say no hey we're this is roughly the date because this is when Caesar said, pay your taxes. Yeah, and, and they were all, and of course that took a good bit of time. Right. But just like with Joseph, they had to get mobile. And, yeah. and they came all the way out of the regions of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Well, the scripture says up to, and I think there more so was uh, an elevation thing, yeah. but came up to Bethlehem. Uh, and so they made that trek, and, and Mary, uh, very much expectant, you know, yeah. uh, to deliver at that time. But... There again, we have that establishment in the record, according to Micah. And then I want to go to the 11th chapter of Isaiah. Once again, because of the importance of, of who this is, this child in the manger. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. In chapter 11, verse 1, And then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And, and the, the language of this, the use of the word shoot, the word, use of the word branch, even though they are in the stem of just, even though these are different words, they all mean the, the connection to the genealogy. Okay, in other words, it's all part of the tree. Yep. Um, and, and this is what all that's talking about. And then he's going to give a very interesting thing about the seven spirits of the Lord here, but that's not my point right at this point. The fact of the matter is, from its roots will bear fruit. Please excuse me. And look at look at verse um, look at verse ten. Mm-hmm. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse. Now, many believe that this is a reference to a time uh, of the millennial age when when the Lord will sit upon the throne when when uh, there will be perfect peace and all. It says, and the nations will resort to the root of Jesse. And who will stand as a signal or a banner for the people? And his resting place will be glorious. Yep. Uh, and, and different versions give you a little different angle of that. And I would had a little note there. Is, to, is this, is this a, a place of hope? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting because when you think about the Advent season, we just, we just lit our first candle of the Advent this last Sunday, uh, here at the end of uh, November, and it was the candle of hope. Yep. And is this not significant to realize that what God brings to us and what God brings to us in a time and in a place mm-hmm. 
is hope. And the coming of Christ into the world was that hope that we need. And, and you know, just like in Micah's day when the, when the old, when the old uh, Bible student said that, that in the worst of times, here came light into the world. Well, you know, Isaiah put it, you know, the people have set in darkness, but then they will see a great light. Right. And for unto us a child is born, right? Yeah. And so this is a powerful, a powerful thing. This stem, uh, this root of Jesse bearing fruit, bringing us to a glorious place of hope. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, of course, you know, it's hard, hard not to just talk about that. You, that 11th chapter empties out into chapter 12 where he says, Behold, God is my salvation. Well, uh, right. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song. He is become my salvation. And therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of life. Isn't that, that's, that's all. Well, that's exactly. To get into that. <laughs> well, no, and, and, but that is exactly what we're yeah. talking about when we talk about Christmas and we talk about the arrival of the Emmanuel. Yes. And we talk about this, this springing up and this fruit coming forth from the seed of David from the seed of David we're talking about hope but we're not just talking about hope we're talking about a hope that bears fruit we're talking about we're talking about you know when we talk about faith faith is the evidence of things hoped for things unseen well we talk about putting our faith in this Christ child in this child that's coming out of the seed of David being born into Bethlehem being received into our hearts being received into our homes being received by hope and what that hope is it is an illumination of our spirit into that was never existed before yeah you know we have a we not since the time of adam in the garden walking with god has god walked side by side to mankind yes this is the this is i mean so we literally have millennia has passed the world has has fallen into the curse and everything like yes. that. And what Isaiah the prophet has seen and what the is prophesying here is he is saying, look what's happening. Hope is being restored to mankind. Right. A light is coming. And I can't imagine what he was feeling as he was experiencing this truth being revealed to him by God about what was going to be given to the people. Yes. And, yes. How, and how it was all going to come from an already blessed house, it was going to come yes. through, through you know. There again, you know, we frame it however you want to. But one of the one of the messianic archetypes of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. quite literally, it, 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 this family has already provided so much for God's people, and yet what he's speaking of is something that goes beyond. Which is why yes. I think there in chapter twelve, he kind of just bursts. He's like, "It's my salvation." It's, it's hope it's hope that mankind doesn't even understand, doesn't deserve, doesn't even yes. know how to process. It is a light that dispels all darkness. Exactly. And that's, and that's the thing. Like I said, it's, it's something that mankind doesn't even have a recollection of. Mm. Wow. By this point. Yes. By the time Isaiah is recording this, mankind doesn't even have a recollection of what Adam experienced. Exactly. It's, it's so far removed. But there is a precedent that came even from this side of the garden and prior to the flood. Uh-huh. And our antediluvian ancestors, if you will, that's the, that literally those before the flood. 
And, and it right there, in fact, in the, um, uh, let me see, I had a note, uh, Genesis 4, in the closing verses of chapter 4 of Genesis, it says, And Enoch bore a son, Enosh, and men began, began to call upon the name of the Lord. Yep. Now, the, subsequently, there is, a, there is a tradition, if you will, well, I shouldn't use the word tradition, but we find there's a pattern, mm. a pattern that continues in the lives of those who would be faithful. Yes. You see, one of the great things I like to come back on with, with uh, Joseph and Mary mm -hmm. is the fact that we know right up front, Mary, this young Hebrew maiden, was obedient. She has submitted herself to God. She said, God, whatever your plan is, I don't understand it all, but I'm yours. Mm -hmm. I, I will do whatever you tell me to do. And, of course, Joseph would put him in an extremely precarious position um, legally mm -hmm. and, and among the people and all. And yet he was faithful. He, he heard the voice of the angel. And, think, you know, yeah, Joseph was, we don't hear a lot about Joseph, practically <laughs> nothing much at all. But he was obedient and he was submitted to God. Obviously he did. He was also going to be obedient under the authority of the government that existed in his day. Yep. He followed, and he, like everyone else, he, like you said, he went and paid his taxes, you know. Yep. But he was also obedient to follow the instruction of God. And I believe that continued. Mm -hmm. He made sure his family was in that appointed place. And we see that. Even in the, the one glimpse we get in the early life of, of uh, Jesus, you know, they go to Jerusalem, you yep. see. They go to Jerusalem. And, and it's right there, documented in the, in the Gospels. Um, you know, and Jesus kind of put them through the paces there. But, but still, he was faithful. And, and here, Enosh began a pattern of worship. He, he built an altar. He established a place where he could be accountable to God. Mm -hmm. And God met him there. Yep. You see, in the garden, it was yeah. just open access. There was no curse of sin. Yep. There were no prohibitions other than God said, whatever you do, you're not to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. That, that was the only, you know. And in that, man was a free moral agent. Right. And he had freedom. He had freedom not to do. But rather, mm -hmm. the serpent entered into the situation. And, of course, the, the prince of the power of the air is still, still active in that realm, yep. even though he is defeated. That's right. Uh, and that's for another day, obviously. But now, from there, we go from Enosh, and you think about the story of Abram, right. okay, and later to be called Abraham. And in, in the 12th chapter of Genesis, we've got Abram in, in verse 8, and he proceeded from there to the mount on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord mm -hmm. and called upon the name of the Lord. Now, we, we know that God blessed Abraham in many, many ways. And he gave him that heir, even in his and Sarah's old age. And, and you know, Isaac was born. And then Isaac at Beersheba, uh, or Beersheba, as a lot, a lot of folks like to say, in, in Genesis 26, in uh, verse 25. And when he was there, up there in, to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Mm -hmm. And he there confirmed the covenant with him. Right. And it said, and so in verse 25, he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. 
And there had been this, there had been a problem about them finding sufficient water. Mm-hmm. Okay, for uh, when because when these guys traveled, they they traveled big. Right. And had a lot a lot of people responsible and and uh, animals and all that. And and there Isaac's servants dug a well, and there was a bit of contention came of that in which God gave him wisdom to see that and negotiate that thing. And, and ultimately, he did not want to be a contention among those who had, had been there. Mm-hmm. And so he went to a place that they did not build wells. Mm-hmm. And he dug a well there, and before that chapter's over, his servants will come to him and say, the water is there. We have found water. And that was a big thing, mm-hmm. having water in desolate places. Um, and you move from water to water, you know, to survive, right? And, and there they were able to see the faithfulness of God yep. in his life. And, of course, he just trusted God. He trusted God with his relationships, if you will, politically, with those that he was in the midst of because God had put him there. You know, and though they didn't realize it, God had given it to him. Mm-hmm. And yet he did not encroach on the things that they had been uh, privy to mm-hmm. and, and considered to be theirs, you see. And, and the blessings of Isaac go on in that story uh, from there. And then, of course, his son. You go over into chapter 28, and Jacob left Beersheba, and there in chapter 28, verse 11, and he came to a certain place says he came to a certain place and spent the night there and as the sun had said he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and he had this tremendous dream and and that's a whole nother story also but he has this wonderful dream and this ladder ascending even up into heaven and all but the neat thing is get on down here in verse 17 and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place I mean, there was a reverential fear took hold of him. And I mean, he was quaking in his boots because of what God opened up before him. Also then, God saying, behold, I'm the God of your father, okay, and his father before him, okay, your grandfather, and so forth, and I'm going to bless you. And again, the covenant is affirmed. And he says, and this is, he said, this is none other than the house of God. The house of God, the place of God. This is a gate to heaven. In other words, he was talking about how important it was for an appointed place, mm-hmm. for those who would be faithful and accountable to God to be there so that God could open up the gates of heaven for him. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a powerful thing. And before that chapter in, in, uh, exits there, he called the place Bethel. However, Previously, the name of the place had been Luz, the scripture says, and Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me then and will keep me on this journey, I take and I will give unto food to eat and garments to wear. And he placed a stone there as a pillar, and he said, this will be God's house, and all that you give to me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Mm-hmm. And we have there that get the giving, that accountability to God, and one desiring to give back to God, who's the greatest giver of all. Right. It's, it goes on and on in all the different episodes. Um, we can go to Moses as well, mm-hmm. and with, the, with the, the delivering of Israel. And, of course, with Moses, God instructs him to build a house because they were going to be a transient people. Right. And God instructs him to build a tabernacle. 
and there's chapters, literally chapters. It picks up uh, there in Exodus, uh, and it goes, it goes into uh, several chapters of all the precise detail of what that, the materials and, and the dimensions and all that would comprise the tabernacle of God. And for generations, they would worship in that tabernacle. You see, ultimately, it will come to rest. I, play, I believe that's in where Shiloh, it will come to rest in Shiloh, the tabernacle, and until the time when God would have a house built, literally. But there again, the importance of a place. And, and it's interesting because God, let's see if I, can put my, if I can put my finger into that there in Exodus, because God said, I will meet you there. And he said, and, and you will worship me, you see. And that's, that's, that's a powerful thing. It all began with Moses, and it all began with what? So you, might, you might think, well, you know, some of that seems a little familiar. Maybe you recall some of that from Sunday school, or if you, if you were blessed to be in a Sunday school class or some kind of training class, a, a discipling of what have you. But regardless of all that, it requires a turning aside. And you know, in chapter 3 of Exodus, that's exactly what Moses said in the opening verses there. In fact, I think it's chapter 3, verse 3. He said, he saw a light on the side of a mountain. Moses had left Egypt as a, as a sentenced man, right. as a hunted man. And because of all that had happened there, the prince of Egypt had become a nobody on the backside of the Midian desert. But then he had married a chieftain of Midian, and married one of his daughters and was herding his father-in-law's sheep. And he saw on the mountainside a bush that burned but was not consumed. And he said, I am going to turn aside and see this thing. Mm -hmm. Something was drawing him there. Well, God was working even through that. And God was working to see, would he turn aside? You know, there, there, there's another lesson there, folks. We have to put aside the barriers, the temptations, the, the things that say, well, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be part of a Advent worship this year. You're too busy. Mm-hmm. Or you got trips to ha- make and all that. No, you know what? Uh, you, you, need, you need to find that time and get in that appointed place. Moses said, I will turn aside and go there. And he went to the point where God said, Moses, he called out to him. He said, Moses, Take your sandals off because you have entered into holy ground. You've come into a worship place with me. And Moses had that kind of relationship with God. Moses is, is referred to in the scriptures as one of the most meekest of men. And yet God put him in charge of millions. <laughs> Literally. It's estimated that, that that group that was delivered and the mixed multitude and all was anywhere from a million and a half people to maybe two and a quarter million people. And that, my friend, that's big. That's, that's a pretty big congregation. That's a lot of folk. <laughs> you know, and a lot of different backgrounds. And people, hey, not only were the 12 tribes there, but then you had the mixed multitude. You had people that some were devout, some wanted to know more of this God of Israel, this God of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and, and you know, all, the, all of that. And yet, there were those who went along because, you know, this seemed like a way to survive, too, you know. But they had it all, just like we do in our day and time. You've got it all. 
And if you want to find uh, someone that's going to naysay the scriptures or say, well, you know, I'm not even sure if there is a God, you can, you can find them. There's plenty that'll do that. But you know what? Moses was a man who was on the down and out. He was a man who had I probably come to the point of thinking, this is just going to be my life now. I'm going to be a herdsman, and I'll just make it happen. You know, he had a, he had a, he had a fine woman to be his wife, and, you know, he'd be good family. Zephora. Zephora, yeah, that's right. And, you know, so that had become his simple life, and yet God said, no, you are going to be the deliverer that goes back into the midst of turmoil, into the land that has denied you even existed, <laughs> and you're going to set my people free. But it took that intentional act of turning aside. Yeah. It's, See, and that's right. just it. It's the, it's yeah. the deliberate action exactly. to worship. It's the yes. deliberate action yeah. to find the time, to find the, you know, the thin place. Exactly. To go to, the, to, to go to a place of reverence, whether it's inside of yourself this yes. season, or it's a physical building of worship, exactly. or it's just a gathering together of believers it, it, it all comes back to the fact that this season is one of those seasons where the trees are alight. The trees yes, are ablaze. They are. They're there wonderful. again. The, the, you know, and, and so we need to be intentional about turning and making sure we have those moments in this season. Exactly. And not just letting it pass on by. I was like, oh, yeah, well, that was pretty. Because he could have yeah. done that. Like, yeah. yeah, that was weird. I saw that. You know, that bush burnt, but it, you know, it burned for hours. I never seen went out. You know, yeah. you know, there again, and, and never consumed, you know, never yeah. consumed, you know. Wow. And so it's one of those things where you have to be intentional about pursuing the things the spirit are leading you. In. I believe so. And not just being intentional about taking the action, but being intentional to be obedient once you step through the threshold of that in the spirit. Because, see, that's what he did. Not only did he, was he intentional about going to a place, but when he got there, he was obedient to the voice of God that he heard. And he showed the proper reverence to the voice. He, he wasn't an antagonistic. He was not confused. He, he simply was obedient once he entered the place where God was speaking to him. Amen. That's right. And so, that's, and so wh- why are we talking about David and Jesse and Abraham and Moses yeah, and, and exactly. all these men when we came here to talk about the Emmanuel? Yeah. Why well, are we talking about all these things as it, when, we, when we come to speak about Christmas and when we come mm-hmm. to speak about the fruit of Jesse, why is it so important and why does it seem that every time somebody tunes into the Gonzo Bible study, why is it we always land back in Genesis? I don't why? know. <laughs> no. and, I don't know. But, well, no, we yes, we do. Yes, well, we do. We know exactly why. Well, yes, you're right. We know exactly why. And, the, and, the, and that's just it. When we, when we talk about the things leading up to and what is what is the 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 power of God or how has the power of God appointed these places right. how is it, how is it that we see all throughout scripture the consistent character of God reflected exactly. over and over again using particular men in particular places mm-hmm. for a deliberate goal of restoring his people back to himself. Exactly. And so when we come now to talk about an appointed place, mm-hmm. all we have done is shown you how it's place after place intentionally and deliberately established 
as a place of reverence for, we, for us to come into communion with God. See, what, what we then have to reveal is what the New Testament tells you. And we actually posted this verse earlier in the past week. Yeah. That it no longer matters where, but it matters what the heart looks like. Amen. Well, that's ultimate. That's exactly. And that's, that's the real heart it, of it. It is right no. And, that, and see, that's, what, that's where Christmas and the, the yes. Emmanuel coming, the restoration that comes. That's, we echo again the words of Isaiah. The Lord is my Savior and my hope. See, he yes. realized that the coming seed and the, from the city of David, what this was going to be, was a restoration of the heart of man yes. to direct communion with God. Yes. And so it's, it's just a, it's a changing of how are we being deliberate? Are we being deliberate to mm -hmm. go to the thin place? Or are we being deliberate to open our hearts to the revelation truth yes. of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that's and know. ultimately Jesus he he reveals himself more and more to us as we are willing to step into that place. That's right. Well, uh, yeah, I you know, I I, I went into that um, a little bit into John chapter 4 mm -hmm. because there the woman, the Syrophoenician woman that was at the well. Yeah. And because of her lifestyle, because of where she was in her life, she didn't even go to the well to draw water when the other women went. And yet that day when she went, there she met Jesus. And Jesus asked her if, he would, if she would provide him some water. And then he offered to give her living water. And it, and it brought the discussion to the fact of where was the proper place to worship. And she said there in, in the fourth chapter, John, our fathers worship in this mountain. She pointed over to where, where years ago, you know, that where the tabernacle had come to, you know, all the old tradition was there. And yet she, she said, but yet your people say that Jerusalem's the place, you know, where the temple now stood and all this, where men ought to worship. And Jesus said, woman, believe me, an hour is coming where neither this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. And then he comes in here in verse 23 and says, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Yeah. How about yeah. that? <laughs> that's that's you the, know, yeah. And, she t and then, of course, she gives a very proper theological, you know, very proper answer. She says, well, I know there's going to be a day where the Messiah's coming. And this and then this gets real exciting because this is one of the I think only three instances where Jesus revealed himself and here to yep. a Gentile. And he and he said that she said that one who's called the Christ when he comes, he'll declare these things. And Jesus said to her, "I who speak to you am he." Yep. Yep. <laughs> right here right yeah right here amen he reveals himself you know yes. how often how often we and i am recently i was talking to this with with our youth a little bit at our church how often does god say or does jesus during his ministry he's like i'm not here to tell you these things as my words but i'm just reminding you of what my father has said he is constantly pointing back to the Father 
And then you have these few moments, and literally just a handful of moments, where he says, I'm telling you this because I'm the person. Yeah, amen. Heads up, I am I the am, Emmanuel. I, I am, I am yeah. the Messiah. Am, like, yeah. And it's a private moment. Yes. And they're private moments when he does this. Mm, he doesn't do this in powerful. front of – he had – just think about the, all mm. of the, the gatherings of people where he could have been there again – all the moments on the mountains, yes. all the moments after he fed the 5,000, after he, where he could have said, by the way, I am the Messiah. I am yes. God incarnate. Yes. But he doesn't do that. Yeah. It's in the meek, mild moments. It's in those, in those kind of whispered moments that you see that he's like, <laughs> by the way, just to give you comfort. And it's always personal moments. He's just like, just so you understand. And so that you can get past your hang-up. Yeah, they, that was it. And just, just hey. so that you can, you can be connected back to the Father. Yeah. By the way, I'm the guy you're waiting on. Yeah, amen. That's what this is. It's yeah. that moment where she is living in so much condemnation, under so much guilt, and under so much pain, and that she can't even, like you said, draw water with the rest of the women. But yet she no. knows the faith of their fathers. Yes. She knows her, her people. She knows all of these things. And he says, by the way, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because you were obedient and you were a servant to mm. me and I came to be a servant yes. to you. Yes. See, that shows the heart of God. That shows the heart of the Messiah. Mm. That, shows the, that shows the continued repetition of God's character revealed in the, the human form. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, you know, it, back in, and he said to her, Believe me, believe me. Yeah. You know, and immediately, like referring back to that statement you just made too, immediately it said at that point his disciples came up and said, what are you doing talking to this woman? You know, because here they, here they were. And, of course, that was one of the things that was kind of forbidden. Right. You know, middle of the, and yet here he was talking to this woman, a Gentile woman, mm-hmm. at that uh, here at the well, and Jesus said, it's time to go. You know, it, <laughs> and their concern was on the issues of the day. And what did they do? They reestablished guilt and fault in her. There you go. Yeah. How bad, yeah. how guilty are we sometimes at doing that? We see yep. somebody come in off the street, right. and let's say they look a little more like me than dad, and all we see is, <laughs> all we see is tattoos and pain. Uh-oh. And, and oh maybe, maybe they're not even wearing clean clothes. And what we immediately mm-hmm. want to do in ourselves is say, well, you didn't even, you didn't even get gussied up to come to church. You didn't even put a suit on. You didn't even go take a shower. You, didn't, yeah. you did nothing. Well, that, yeah, but you entered this place? Really? You, you think you belong here? What are we doing? Yeah. What, what are we have doing? we done so many times? And God forgive us. And God help us to see the light. That's right. Because and I love that Jesus said, "All right, well, let's go." Yeah, he shut them yeah. down before yeah. they had opportunity to tear down all that he had just built up. Yes, because yes. what he did, and 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 I'm going to talk to the camera for a second. Shame on you, church, for making women feel like second class citizens. No, that shouldn't happen. Because that is not the ministry of our Savior. No, not if you read it from cover to cover. While he was here, what did he do? Who was he ministering to? Who were the faithful who were always there with him? Who were the ones that he revealed himself to the most in the most 
ardent ways in this, in this moment, even that we're talking about here, it's this lady and he's saying, look, you don't have to be this for these people. Yes. Here's your life back. Yes. Yeah, you know, he, 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 he confounded the disciples here, and I mm -hmm. think that's where we are a lot of times. And I made, a, I made a reference this last Sunday. I said, you know, oftentimes what we have done um, in church life is if we, don't, if we don't understand a situation and yet, you know, and we're not comfortable relying on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit may be urging us to open ourselves to a person or to be warm or to be inviting. And you, rather, we're, we're trapped, we're caught in the trap of judgments and yeah. making a judgment call or something. And many a time, we've, we've, we've made that a wrong decision. Many times, is that what I was point, my point was there, many times we go to that default of, well, we'll just ignore them. Since yeah. I don't know what to do, I'll just ignore, ignore them. them. And, of course, that's the worst thing you can do. Mm -hmm. and, and we've heard way too many stories about where, you know, the, then, then a person goes away feeling, you know, that they were just rejected and, and Well, because they know they were seen. Yeah. That's See, that's right. just it. That's they right. they know people saw yeah. them, yeah. but no one reached out to them. Right. And we should never forget that when people when people do come, mm -hmm. I don't know I've I i do not think I've ever gone past a church that didn't have some kind of welcome sign. That's right. Or greeting or saying, come on in. Some churches even go to the extent of real nice signs that literally say that you are welcome to come yeah. and all that type of thing have welcome centers in fact established mm -hmm. uh, as you get out of the car and all that type of that's wonderful but the thing is let's make it really happen yeah and and let's be welcoming folks to the appointed place let's let's encourage them to come and so that we you know we ourselves it's not so that we they can see us being faithful but let let them see our faithfulness as a testimony right and let them feel the love that's right because above all things the lord said you know i like paul encouraged the church said, above all things let love abound mm -hmm. let love abound for one another that's the important thing you know jesus told his disciples is that now the woman left her water pots the scripture said there and she went into the city and said let me let me tell you about a man who told me everything about my life mm -hmm. she said is this not the christ and, she, I mean, she just, she put it out there. And yet, with Jesus and his disciples, he said, he said, he said to them, he said, I have food to eat that you do not even know about. Mm -hmm. you know, in other words, you guys didn't quite get it. And yet, it said, some of them said among each other, did, did someone feed him? You know, what's that? You know, they must have been Baptists. They were worried about, you know, hey, did he have something to eat? We weren't there, you know. Uh, no, it was. It's the fact that you know there's that spiritual sustenance that's missed. You know, like you said, that woman, that woman had had some of her things together spiritually, mm -hmm. but she had run from the Lord. She had allowed her traditions. She had allowed her lifestyle to pull her from fellowship with God. You know, we can't just live in in a lifestyle that is apart from the Word of God and then expect to have fellowship with God. There again. There's an accountability, yep. and and I think we see that uh, time and time again. In fact, in that, let me let me step over into what Paul said in the Corinthians. Mm -hmm. You know, since we're reading the Word and writing the right over here, we might as well. Since we've been all the way back in Genesis, might as well get on up here. <laughs> Paul writing to the churches right <laughs> now, and he's dealing in context. He's dealing with some other things here, but there's this one this one verse is just standalone when he says in in. Uh, 
Corinthians 11 and 16, and he's preparing them for that instruction in the Lord's table, mm -hmm. okay? And he says, if, if one is inclined to be contentious, okay, we have no other practice nor have the churches of God. So, you see, we cannot allow ourselves to become contentious, to become judgmental, mm -hmm. to tell anybody that they're not good enough to sit and worship with us mm -hmm. or, you know, no, you need to sit back here in this section or you might better sit over here in this, you know, um, the little fold-out chair because you might get our pews dirty. Or no, man, that, we cannot go there. Mm -hmm. Because the, the fact of the matter is we are coming together as church. Because he says that in there in, in yep. the couple of verses down. He says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church. So you see, even... I know we, we established a good bit in the Old Testament scriptures that there was that place to come. And, of course, some will say, well, you know, but the law was very strict and all that, you know. But then Jesus came. Well, yeah, Jesus came. And we know even with the episode of the woman at the well, the issue was of the heart. But at the same time, it is an indicator that people gathered to worship. Yep. And Jesus himself went to the temple. Jesus went to the synagogues. Yep. And, and we see that the coming of the Holy Spirit came within the lives of those who would be called the church, mm -hmm. the, those who become part of the fellowship of Christ. Right. You see, the ecclesia, that's what it, we're all a part of, the church. And, and like Paul says here, and he says this in other occasions to some of the individual in the individual geared uh, or directed epistles as far, and also the church epistles here, that he says, when you come together as church, right. it's not the place to be contentious. No. It's not. He, and he points out the fact that, you know, I know there's going to be some divisions. I know there's going to be factions. But at the same time, those all have a purpose too. Right. Well, he establishes the fact that the reason for those divisions, in fact, some people come that are not, a, that are not equipped, nor are they coming no. in the right heart. No. So naturally, no. Divi division will happen yep. when you have people at different spiritual maturity levels. That's right. That's you know, right. that's literally what he acknowledges there in the, in, in, the, in the 20s of that chapter. Exactly. Is the fact that, yeah, division is, is going to happen. But yes. what we have to do is make sure that it is not unseating what the Spirit is doing. Right, right. You know, you, know, you think about Mary and Joseph making that arduous trip. Mm -hmm. But you know what? They did so in obedience to God. Mm -hmm. They did so being submitted to one another. Yep. You know, that's what Paul said over in the book of Romans. He, when he was writing the church of Rome, he said, listen, whatever you do, do it all in the bonds of love. We've, uh, we've already quoted that. Mm -hmm. Let it be that love for one another that abounds because he said in that, right. in that, if you don't mind me paraphrasing here, he said, but in that you will feel, fulfill the law and the, all the law and the prophets. If we could just love one another. And, you know, Joseph and Mary had a lot to work out. Right. With their situation. And yet, they were submitted to one another. They were being faithful and obedient to God. And God made the way. That's right. Even though the town was filled up, even though there was no place to stay, they mm -hmm. still had a place of shelter. Even in that manger stall, they had a place. And God, and it's what, what's amazing about that manger stall and that nativity scene yeah. is that God was going to make sure that everybody understood that his will begins humble. Yes. It begins in humility. Amen. It begins well, in obedience. Yeah, I, I and like that, that whole yeah. scene is steeped mm -hmm. in the most 
I don't want to say humiliating, but the most humbling <laughs> yes. possible. That's right. Because we have to realize that the reason, the reason that Joseph had to take his family and go pay taxes was he was a skilled laborer. Right. This whole idea that Joseph was a beggar is not, no, he was no. not a pauper. He was a skilled no. laborer. He was a carpenter. Yes. He was a man that had skills. Yes. He had taxes to pay. Yes. He, had, he had resources to where he had to make that trip. He yes. knew he could not go unseen by the government, no, nor did he wish no. to. But the fact of the matter was is that the reason they had to do this was the fact that he was a man who had obligations, who had things he had to do. And, and yes. there again... He knew the spirit of the woman he was betrothed to. Yes. That's and right. the angel had appeared and said, be confident yes. in that. Yes. Be confident in the union you have already established. Exactly, because she was not being unfaithful to him. That's right. She was being faithful to God. That's right. Yeah. And see, that is, that is the very essence of there's so much, there's so much to unpack when yeah. we talk about the nativity story. Exactly. But as, uh, to keep it on location, mm -hmm. the fact that they are then pushed from what would have probably been a comfortable hotel, a, a place an to inn, stay, yeah, an inn, yeah, yeah. whatever, even a home you know, setting, um, as was the traditions of the people, they would have been Airbnb, welcomed. Yeah. If, yeah, exactly. Whatever, <laughs> whatever the verbo, whatever, you know. <laughs> I'm But the fact of the matter was, he, they are pushed then into a place where they're in a stall, which means there's no food, there's no hot water. Right. There's no, I mean, if you know anything about a birthing process and all that, like <laughs> they removed every form of comfort, right. every form right. of even the necessity of things. Most of it wasn't there. Most of the things that would have made that remotely comfortable for her or for him. Exactly. There was no division. He couldn't step into the next room. He couldn't, there no. was no midwife. There was nothing. It had to be the fact that the couple was united by God. They were obedient to be submitted to one another. Yes. And that yes. he was faithful to the life that God had said was being brought into the world. Yep. Yep. And she was faithful to be obedient. And together, what they did in obedience... In that little barn, in that little <laughs> That's right. uh, yeah. brick hovel or whatever it was, yeah. that little manger scene, and, and they laid it into a feeding, laid the king of the universe <laughs> incarnate yeah. into a feeding trough. That's right. That's exactly, <laughs> literally, that's what that's Just right. so he didn't have to lay on the hard floor. Like, it was, I mean, <laughs> it's just, but I mean, it's the most, it's the most humbling thing. But then, then what we immediately have in this setting is that manger scene and that, that little feeding trough mm -hmm. immediately gets reestablished by God as yes. an altar. Because yes. what does he do? He goes and sends his angels to find some shepherds <laughs> because, if, because, if this, because if God incarnate's coming to a place, there will be worship. And so yeah, he amen. immediately sent those yes. shepherds amen. That's good. to worship. Because there was an appointed place, and that place, even though it was just a, a, a barn, was immediately going to become an altar. Yes, yes. So that manger that, there, that the Son of God was placed in immediately becomes a thin place. It immediately becomes a place of worship. Yes, amen. Because God has been there. Mm -hmm. God is there. O come, and so this, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. You know, and, and so yes. this Christmas season, make sure... 
you find a manger to kneel yes, in. Yes, yes. Whether it's at the front of a church, you know, here, here, here at Dad's church, they literally have a nativity yeah. sitting on the altar. Yes, yes. Because that's what it was. That's what Mary and Joseph were the first ones to sit at the altar. And then the shepherds arrived and they got to be at the altar because the angels told them of the glorious news. That's right. Amen. Amen. Because God has arrived. The Emmanuel is with us. Mm. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Glory in the highest. That's right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Amen. Christ with us. Yes. yes. And so we hope you'll enjoy this episode. We hope you have enjoyed it. Yes. We hope you'll enjoy the ones coming. Make sure yes. if you haven't watched our Christmas special with Mom that you do uh, share it with somebody this yes. season. Because yes. this, this establishing of the presence of God with yeah. us and this establishing of the, faith, the fact that God has shown that humanity needs to find intentional, obedient places of worship. That's right. And then he, through the birth of his son and the sacrifice of his son and the giving of the Spirit, reestablish the fact that we are the temple we have the hearts now devoted through faith to have that hope present with us at all times. And that liberty to worship. Make it intentional. Make your worship intentional. Yes, amen. Amen. So as we enjoy the season, make sure you remember the reason. That's right. And keep riding the ride. We've got something to share. We're really proud of our product and are excited to make it available on our website. Check it out now.